On today's episode, we have Mr. Gwilym Poole. Gwilym embodies the philosophy of relentlessly moving forward at any cost. As long as he has a breath in him, he will make it happen and move it forward. This is specifically explained by the fact that he has his challenges in his work, in the military, in his family, and in all the business that he starts. Regardless, he's always pushing the envelope and seeing what more he can do with his life and the lives of those around him. Thank you for being on the podcast, Gwil. Yeah, this episode um, with Gwil was one that I'm not going to forget. The first time that we held our first studio podcast. Um, and you could tell that this was a difficult time for Gwil to be able to just be himself and talk on, on camera and on a podcast as well. So Gwil really opens up his story and you're going to listen and you're going to really hear some some you know, some great stuff from Gwil here. Welcome to the Fail Forward Podcast, where Dan and Adnan peel back the onion on our guest stories and on each other, all in an effort to change the narrative of failure. Enjoy the show. Okay, so welcome everyone along. Um, so today we are joined by a special guest. His name is Gwilym Paul. He's all the way from the UK, living out here in Dubai. He's an ex-rugby player coach, family man, proud dad, and today he's going to tell us a bit about his story and what he's doing here in Dubai. So we can't wait to listen to this today. So, Gwil, tell us a bit about you. Well, I'll start by saying I wouldn't say I was a rugby player or a coach, but I have done a bit of playing and a bit of coaching, but that's (laughs) that's about as far as it goes. Um, Yeah, based here in Dubai for the last nine years. Originally moved out here with a armed security company because I originally was in the the military for a short period of time. Medically discharged. Uh, yeah, do you want to go into the depths of that side of things? Or? Why not? I would love to. Yeah, I didn't know about yeah. this. Yeah, let's tell us the story uh, here. Yeah, yeah, perforated eardrums, um, oh. deep water. Um, so seven operations later, and moringoplasties and all sorts of work done on my eardrums to give me better hearing and the tinnitus is still there it's a big part of my life but uh, yeah 65% hearing in my right ear and and 35 in my left ear so as my wife will say I've got selective hearing but uh, yeah so that was the end of the military career Uh, it's something that I feel if um, if given the opportunity I'll probably still be in the military it's a big big part of my life and my grandfather's life and um, you know a lot of dear friends now and and relatives are still serving and you know still keeping contact with a lot of people and it's good Um, but yeah so I had to to figure out a new path in life and then it's you know I didn't particularly do that well at school Um, and basically because I was busy playing rugby and knowing I was joining the army and traveling the world and that's what I'd always set out to do but uh, that finished and went and did a rugby scholarship with Newcastle Falcons and um, uh, University of Central Lancashire and even that was uh, cut short, uh, displaced fibula uh, out of my ankle and my knee in two places and yeah I was never going to be able to take a big tackle again so I went to see my parents in Dorset, uh, we're from Windermere originally in the Lake District, went to visit my parents and ended up meeting who is now my wife and yeah, stayed in Dorset. So got jobs, uh, I was a retained firefighter, I was 
uh, I was always looking for active sort of positions and you know uh, a replacement in the military let's say um, playing rugby obviously uh, every single week since I was six years old so it was never going to change I was going to play rugby um, worked in insurance companies and uh, as a sales sort of thing which believe it or not I don't like the title of being a salesman but it is what I do I suppose and slowly over time I've got to got used to that um, yeah, and through rugby, uh, a friend of mine, Gary Higson, uh, an absolute legend of a bloke, uh, former Royal Marine, uh, had a company with a security uh, detail looking after um, vessels transiting the Gulf of Aden uh, that have been attacked by pirates. So he approached me and said, look, your head's screwed on. Do you want to come and do a watchkeeper's job? So basically sitting at a computer for 24 hours and three days off, one day on, um, looking after ships being attacked by pirates and making sure the sit reps are in and just reporting to UKMTO if anything happened and all that kind of stuff, which it did quite a lot. And then progressed through the ranks through that business into, uh, it actually came about because there was a, a Korean shipping company that needed uh, a meeting in Dubai and no one could go from the owner side of things so they said do you want to go I said yeah I'll go so off I went and sat in what is probably still now the biggest business meeting I'd ever had and signed a multi-million pound deal to protect their ships so from that they said yeah you're good at this let's get you around the world and and get in and out of meetings with ship owners and put security guards on board ships so that was my main focus for a, for a long time um, switch between a couple of companies you know following paychecks um, and doing the best I could for the companies that I was with when you um you said you were out there in Dubai and this was all very new mm. you just explored something completely new in traveling um, around yeah. your career were, were you with your wife at the time or did you have kids yeah so um, we just got married when I started in security okay. um, and then we uh, we were pregnant with Owen um, uh, for the first trip out here to Dubai uh, so that was circa sort of 2008 my sister lived here at the time so it was an easy you know go stay with her and yeah. get to see the sights and do the what we now know as the monotonous tour um, <laughs> which you have to do for every guest but yeah. we do love it yeah. Um, yeah so we would we would just start in our lives you know we got a house we got a car we got jobs and you know my wife worked for Barclays Bank in Poole and we you know we were stable we were familiar and it was a, it was a good life um, the travel was a, a disruption but having traveled so much I bumped up my tier status to gold so it was pretty much business class everywhere I went around the world so South Korea Tokyo Hong Kong uh, Thailand Dubai Oman yeah the whole of Europe just just traveling all the time putting armed guards on ships so yeah I really I enjoyed it you know it was good it was good money and it was rewarding um, but then the company I joined in 2014 um, brought me over to Dubai to be the regional director set up the business went through what everybody goes through which obviously gave me a good heads up for this business is, is establishing a business in the Middle East and, and with a free trade zone and finding office space and you know the red tape you have to go through for trade license and banking and everything set up this company and then the company went into liquidation so after 
bringing by this time me, Maria, Owen, and Grace. Uh, we're here um, after nine months of the kids being here. Um, the company folded, and we lost lost our career, lost the job, lost everything, and. I'd made the fatal mistake of getting a Range Rover, getting a big villa, you know, so I had debt for the first time in our lives, you know, and it was a case of what do we do? So, so what did you do? We we agreed that I'd stay, pay off the debt and go home after them. So Maria and the kids went back to, luckily we kept our house in the UK and we had a stable uh, place to go and they were there and I frantically looked for a job, got a job in a uh, with another security format but it was um, land based in Iraq so I was in and out of Erbil and, and Karanjir and some uh, northern uh, Kurdistan area so it was risky it was tough and it, it was uh, it was money you know it, it was a way of putting food on the table and roof over our head but uh, you know one night there was mortars and all sorts going on and air raid shelters and on Skype to my wife and she's like you've got to get out of there you've got to find a job that you enjoy and not have too much pose too much risk um, so yeah I was playing rugby in Abu Dhabi and met a, a lifelong friend of mine um, Chris Marshall and he was uh, the general manager of uh, a sportswear company and he just turned around and said look I can't offer you much money but if you want to start again this is it's there if you want it so, yeah, after a few bit of negotiations, started on the lowest wage I think I've had since I was 16, in here in Dubai, in the most expensive city in the world, in my opinion, um, with my wife and kids back home. Um, and I started off as a sales, signed a couple of contracts. We went from having one or two schools and one rugby club to seven years later, being the general manager myself, um, having 148 uh, sports clubs and 50 odd schools and, and yeah, it was a successful business and we drove it all the way to the top in the region. Um, and then the, you know, as such as life, the, the next massive thing happened to us and that was my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So <laughs> through the company I worked for at the time, we won't mention them, obviously people that know me will know, but um, the the medical uh, insurance wasn't good enough, and uh, the what was classed as a benign lump grew and grew and grew until it was re eventually removed. Started off the size of a pea, and then it came out the size of a kiwi, and they took it out and said, you know, it's benign, it's benign, it's benign. Ten days later, we go into an oncology appointment and. Uh, the breast surgeon's appointment and turns out it was cancer and it was the most horrific day of our lives you know it was my bum hadn't even touched the seat the kids are outside in the waiting area on their ipads me and the missus walk in where we were in the waiting room having been told it's benign 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 for months and months and months uh, you know, we were planning our trip to Abu Dhabi to, to take the kids to us and, and we weren't thinking about anything other than that, you know, and before my bum even touched the seat, she said, I'm really sorry, it's cancer. And like, I'm shaking now. It was... Uh, she told you that? 
the doctor the doctor said that that's how she said it, it yeah. there was no other way it was rip off the band-aid I suppose but um, the medical cover wasn't good enough you know um, and the, the company's insurance that they give you and um, the, the woman just said yeah it's cancer uh, but we don't have an oncology department so we have to send you somewhere else in Deera so we were like well like where's there's, there's no support there's no bear in mind my Maria is you know she was 33 at the time no one knew what this was like we didn't know like no one knew what type of cancer what it does what it like what your expectancy is what, what treatment you have to have we didn't know anything and you know um, default is let's go home so that night um, just the we were just distraught like you can't imagine like you probably can I don't know no, everybody's no. experienced it in some sort of way shape or form that. but it, it just blindsided us and we didn't know what to do so we got uh, we jumped on a flight that night and went home uh, back to the UK uh, just dropped everything uh, company I worked for weren't very happy but we went back uh, saw that her general practitioner that she's known since she was a kid and they uh, fast tracked a way of getting through to to, to get in there to get in the um, the tumour itself analysed or what have you biopsy reports and stuff so and then from there um, I requested some time off uh, but it wasn't available it was if you need a job you've got to stay doing your job and it was hard and we made the decision that myself for the for the sake of finances only you know from love we would have just stayed if money was no object we would have stayed in the UK and we would have got through it um, but Maria stayed and me and the kids came back to Dubai and for 18 months she went through hell and without us you know we visited one Christmas for two weeks um, that was all I was able to get out of the country with permission did she have family your friends yeah she yeah, was yeah her mom and dad her okay. sister and yeah and that was why yeah. You know, we knew she had network. that support. At network. least some support network, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Being alone is just a killer during yeah. those times. Yeah, and for the kids this side, you know, mm. and she, the, you know, we didn't have, you know, as I said, the old company wasn't wasn't great. The, uh, you know, it was it was tough. You know, not enough money to have a maid or any assistance here. I had good friends, really good friends um, that checked in on us and looked after us and in different ways just from moral support side of things but you know it was me and the kids and I, they never missed a day of school they always got fed and I made their lunches every day and I made their dinner every night and I got them to school on time and I still ran a business but the biggest problem was when COVID hit I've obviously got some some really close friends here that are, are quite high up in, in Dubai and I got a phone call from one of them saying get out of Dubai tonight uh, we're going into lockdown and everyone was like no nah, no nah, it's not going to happen you know what is this COVID like no one knew like, I remember the day the alarm went off on my phone yeah and it was the police it was a siren on the phone yeah. really loud and my wife and I were like is this um, like a fire alarm or something and it was the phone saying we're going into lockdown we didn't yeah. I didn't even get that because I was already gone so oh, the wow. heads up oh, wow. so it was another quick get on a flight um, so we did and we flew back and we landed and 
Um, Boris Johnson came on the TV in the UK saying, you must stay at home. And Dubai followed suit an hour or two later and that was it. We had the best four months of our lives so far because we were stuck in our own house as the four of us with no one else around. Maria still had to go through her chemotherapy and radiotherapy and um, you know, so she had regular trips to the hospital and nurses visiting us and injections every day, but she had support. She had me and she had the kids and it was amazing. She made me paint the fence panels in the back garden, which uh, which took <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, I can honestly say it was the probably the best. I, I say four months. It probably wasn't even that. Three yeah. months until they lifted at the flight ban, and through th- threats, get on that next flight. If you're not on that next flight, someone else will be. Mm-hmm. And my answer was like, well, I'll be sat next to the person whoever you send it, mate. So don't you know? Yeah, there was no compassion, and it was crap. And it was, that was it. The cards were marked. I knew that I never wanted to do anything for them ever again. And it's a shame, but the priority was to get Maria better, making sure that she had everything she needed. And that includes finance, you know, to to pay the mortgage in the UK and make sure that she's got food on the table and transport to the hospital and stuff. It costs money. And then, you know, the obligations this side as well with these kids, you know, you don't want to be dragging them back and forth and having to miss school or not see their friends or, you know, mixing classes and schools and stuff. It's just not fair on them. So we, so I flew back and then uh, a couple of months later, the kids came back and then it was just me and the kids again, back to the grind, September starts. Uh, yeah, there was a, another big problem with the school and then change schools and you know we, we got back on track and then um, the uh, one of the best days of my life after the birth of the children and the wedding obviously um, on January the 5th Maria rings the bell and chemo's done you know she's not in remission she's got a typical breast cancer uh, triple, triple negative mm. breast cancer so she won't be in remission for another couple of years but that was the sign of good what, things. you know good things to yeah. come um, so she um, uh, she rang the bell and then we had about three weeks until she had to have a final oncology appointment before she could even think of visiting um, and seeing the kids and stuff and um, within that three weeks I just spoke to some close friends and said you know and I mean two people and said, I've got this idea. And they were like, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And originally, I was gonna call it Grow. Um, Grace, the first part of Grace's name and Owen, second part of Owen's name, and then think about the growth and and, and it was a, the logo was a tree. And and there was so many different ways of doing it and types of, directions I wanted to go in and then I settled back to an idea I had maybe f- with a couple of friends maybe four years five years ago and we went back to the OG side of things where people think it's an original gangster but it's actually all about Owen and Grace <laughs> yeah. so yeah so I handed my notice it yeah. was a very messy departure there was a lot of legal threats when I'd done nothing wrong so I knew that my network and my um, 
you know, I always say you're only as good as your last delivery, and and, and I I stand by that. And people know me, and they know, you know, I'm not gonna uh, do anything dodgy or underhand or anything unfair. Is fair and family values, and it's all about the kids, and it's all about you know just making making a life for yourselves and yeah. being positive. And you think, you know, I know. Uh, fell forward and and it, it is the purpose of the podcast and stuff. But it, for me, it's it's um, finding positives in the negatives and then building on that. Always being optimistic and making sure that you're pushing yourself as hard as you can. And you know, and don't get me wrong, I've pushed myself to the wall a few times. Um, and you, it, you keep pushing even though yeah. the failures stack them on top of one another it sounds yeah. like regardless you are only upping the ante on the risk you take and the challenges you yeah. take yourself you've got no other option though right what's the other option you, you fall sit. over yeah or you sit back and live a complacent risk-free life yeah that's not me <laughs> well that's interesting you say that's not me because i think there's so mm. many people out there that when the going gets tough and they hit the wall and they're at that point where they think you know what else and then you just throw me like, I need a break yeah. that's where that really I think separates people um, but just listening to your story and what you have gone through it's almost like that military mindset you had at the beginning and that that feeling of being part of something a meaning or a purpose teamwork yeah resilience being adaptable all of these skills that you probably had from being in the military have just kind of it feels like just listening to you is like being a driving force through mm. everything that you've gone through through playing rugby well, it's difficult to reflect now because we're still in it Yeah. so you know my wife's got to have an operation on Tuesday like it's a huge Monday or Tuesday it's on the 20th I don't even know what day we're on um, it's a huge operation and it is a big worry for us but we've you know, she's consistently getting scans and, 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 and blood tests and body scans and cat scans and bone scans. And it, she lives in that bloody hospital, you know. But, and, you know, the business is by no means level yet, you know. It, we've got a lot, a lot of work to do. So I'm still in power mode. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's hard for me to sort of you don't know reflect on that. Yeah, because. I've, we've we've still got to keep going. There's there's so much more to do, and you know as long as I've got air in my lungs, I'll keep going. But it's yeah. It, it, I, I said to you at the start, it's hard for me to do this because yeah. the reflection side of things is yeah. I mean, sometimes I also notice that when I do a podcast, it it gives me that avenue to take a moment to reflect. And as you talk, you almost are clearing out your own thoughts, right? Yeah, so, I feel like I've just done that, like a counseling <laughs> session or something. I've just gone through everything. It's, 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 it's amazing. We did our first session with Big Rossi and he ended off with saying, I feel like this is therapy, guys. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. See you next Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. I think when, once you start talking, you realize that yeah. there's, there is more to come out and you, you just keep going and you keep going. And yeah. that's a good thing. I mean, this this becomes inspiring for so many people, and that's why we do what we do. Yeah, the Fail Forward yeah. podcast is where we want people to be able to, mm-hmm. to just listen and. Yeah, I'll actually share something I haven't shared before. Um, so my mother went through chemotherapy about nine years ago, and she had a breast cancer as well, triple negative. And it's funny, a small lot of world. small well, world, right? Yeah. 
and as I go through some of the tough things in my life, you know, I, I like to think at times I'm the always growth, always challenge myself mindset, but sometimes I'm not that either. Yeah. But it's times where I want to quit where I say, well, I remember what it was like when mom was on that bed, like puking three times a day, you know, dreading waking up the next morning that I say, well, I can deal with this run for 45 minutes. Yeah. I can manage a, you know, the, the nerves and the heart palpitations before a big speech. Like she's gone through that and I'm sure your wife's gone through significantly worse physical things than probably you're just dealing with. Dealing with stress on a given day is probably so minimal compared to the physical pain that exactly. you know, our, our loved ones had to go through. Um, so that helps me put a lot of what I'm doing in perspective because none of this is actually hard relative to that. No, that's absolutely not. And you know, nothing can compare to what she had to go through and your mom and, and any other lady that's done that and if, any other man that's had a cancer or any sort of life threatening or even worse uh, disease it's, it's, it's sickening you know the whole time I just wanted to take it away from her I, and I would and yeah you, you find inspiration from her it's not me that should be sat here on this podcast it should be her because she's the one that's going to deliver that inspiration no one else and still to this day, you know, imagine being an attractive 35 year old woman with one breast and no hair and having to grow everything back and groom and maintain. And, and it's not just physical, is it? It's, it's, it's every element of it. And, you know, every single time you get a trapped nerve or, you know, you, you've got an achy arm or, you know, you, you, you bruise badly or, you know, it, the smallest of things can be straight away. Her mindset is, fuck, it's back. You know, sorry, I'm probably not allowed to swear on this. But that's what she has to go through with every ache and pain and stretch. And, and then here's me moaning about having a bit of man flu the last week. <laughs> like, man up, man. Do you know what I mean? And I need to reflect on that. And I need to tell myself, you know, yeah. just sort your shit out. Get yourself together and keep going. Because how she does it is beyond me. Anyway, this podcast is not turning into how wonderful she is, but she is. Yeah, but yeah, good for you to say though. Um, yeah. So she can hear that as well, and yeah, um, and it's, yeah it's, it's important. I think that relationship you've got with your kids as well. Mm. That, that is what that that's your drive. Yeah. That's what keeps you going. It is, yeah. The finish line is always there, but it's you're not reaching it. No. You know, always in a type of speed or distance, it's, it's always there. But you just keep going. You mm. keep going, no matter how you feel. It's, yeah, this kind of bounce back ability that yeah. it's almost like a superpower uh, that you are just going to keep going and going. And she will. She she's she keeps me going. Yeah, yeah. and the kids that they're, they're like Grace is just like a mini version of her. You yeah. know, a nine year old clever. Uh, she she looks after her brother so much. My son's autistic. Like he's mm-hmm. on the lower end of the spectrum, but he's there. You know, and he's. You can't get him off a PlayStation. You can't get him to have a normal conversation, or, or you know, um, he hates rugby, which is a killer for me. <laughs> but um, he has said last night that he's willing to have a go on the golf course. So I hope we get a whack around with him on Saturday. Yeah, but awesome. yeah, but they, this is what you work for, right? Yeah. You, you guys are the same. I don't. You have 
children? Not yet. Not yet. But I mean, I'm still looking forward get there to it. Soon. Yeah. yeah. But you, I know you as well. You know, just from your social media, I can see that you're a good dad and you love your kids, and it's all about the family, and that's exactly how I am. And yeah, throwing a few brunches now and again, and a few, you know, you got to enjoy yourself. My Thursday nights golf. Um, you know, that's important to me to get my head out of the game and and to to focus on my poor ability of playing golf other than work stuff and family stuff and it's important to me and she knows that my missus knows that she knows Thursday nights he's, he's playing golf but you know it's only a couple of hours but you're with friends and you're with your own thoughts there's nothing there's no work coming into your mind there's no cancer coming to your mind there's no kids school drops to come it's just you your mates and a bit of breathable air for for two hours you know and it's important. I need that, yeah. Because without that, I feel contained and feel like it, it's your release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find that with running, and that—that's how we both come together through running. Is that yeah. we find I'm not built for running. <laughs> it's what you, you find your therapy wherever it's, you need. It's, yeah. You find your therapy wherever yeah. you need. Yeah. Exactly. You find yeah. it golf. We find it running. But I think that sense of community, being able to talk to each other. Mm. I, I'd say that, and each time I go to the running club weekly, there's days where I just don't want to go. Every Monday, every Wednesday, I'm like, I've had a bad day. It's been stressful. The kids uh, need to go to bed. My wife's sick. I need to be there. But I find myself needing to be there. And it's just for one person that shows up that's had a bad day, and I just walk or jog or run with them, yeah. and I just listen. Yeah. Um, and I've been involved in a bit of coaching. I've realized that just being able to listen to people and just let them talk to you about what they're going through, yeah. I feel better for that. Because I've helped that. I've left, hopefully, them feeling better about themselves because they've had a chance to open up yeah and we've moved around we've done some exercise and yeah that keeps me going it's yeah. something that yeah we can we can all vent to each other we can talk about you know our mental health things that we're going through our challenges but you know also trying to keep fit and enjoy ourselves and yeah. be part of the community as well so yeah the, exactly the, it's one of the most important things that you can you can do I think yeah and one thing that I'm <laughs> listening to you say that is making me realise I need to thank my mate Will because he's crosses he's like he's my I've just realised now he, he hardly ever bends my ear or complains or whinges and all I do is do that so you know it is therapy tell him, tell him now yeah cheers crosses <laughs> <laughs> you still owe me a beer though um, no he's yeah but he does he listens to it and he absorbs it all and, and I can't thank him enough for that especially over the last couple of years so yeah this is a good opportunity to say thanks Will he's a good lad awesome. oh man there's yeah I have so many questions but the one thing I was thinking about is you know with your wife with the military with a lot of the things in your life it sounds like there are often times where you almost remove the element of choice yeah. from the equation your wife didn't have it it's either you either get through this or you don't live Yeah. with the military you either fight the enemy you pick your brother up and move him or you both are dead you know mm. you run this business you start the company or your kids can't go to school eventually so there's a lot that it sounds like that you had circumstances handed to you and whether you could be positive or not about it at that moment yeah. you just kind of had to figure it out because there was no other option yeah we, Maria and I say it weekly maybe even daily things happen for a reason people come in and out of your life things fail things are positive we're on this trajectory now through fate I'm not religious at all um, I'm not uh, otherworldly but I do believe that fate exists and, and you, you're on that path and it's what you make of it you know but it is all accidental 
it's not you know it was never yes to a certain degree some of the career choices and, and career paths and, and you know the way that the business is going and things like that it is you know there's science behind it to a certain extent but we're only in this position because of what we've experienced and that makes us stronger and that pushes you further down you know you get you know there's, there's so many different elements that make things positive or negative right and including in that is people around you there are a number of people that have had such a huge effect on our lives but some of them for a really negative reason but they'll never be part of our lives anymore because we don't need that we've got this to deal with we'll we'll just crack on we're not going to worry about you you just crack on you know we'll we'll carry on on our set path and and you've got no other option that is your only option but don't some of those people who have a negative impact on your life at least for me they've given me an opportunity to reflect on hey like let me not only cut them out of my lives but like at a, at a larger picture like cut the fat out of there hey there's this people that are engaging in this activity or doing its life this way cutting them out of my life made me re kind of align my lens on hey are there any other areas in my life where the same situation is occurring where I can also cut so it, it gives me some time to like re yeah realign my my overall priorities because I learned a lesson through that person yeah yeah and it, and it's kind of nice to look to have a glance that way now and again to see like, see you're worried about it I'm not let's crack on you know yeah but but then equally you get the people that are huge for you you know um, massive positives and support and belief as well you only have to look at old CJ over there you know he's um, he's been with me through thick and thin he knows this business the, like the inside of his, of his of his hand you have to cut that bit out I got my words wrong but without his underwear <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so without without fun. him we, yeah. we wouldn't be where we are today and yeah. and that's why we'll always be doing that ride together you know and, and it's it's thanks to people like him and, and and Will and Shads and a lot of people that you know the list is so long um, have supported in an, in another way that I never knew existed if that makes sense we've mm. gone a bit deep now but it's not necessarily financial it's not necessarily direction it's just being there you know yeah. and understanding what you've been through and what you're trying to achieve yeah that's deeper than any financial goal is that purpose you, yeah. you find and we had this yeah. conversation last week with a, with, a, with a guest where he said he found that at 53 mm. his, his purpose in life and his, in his wife and, and most people don't find that to a lot later on in their life but yeah. you found that um, and it sounds like you've had that drive and that kind of purpose for a while and that's yeah. that's what's going to take you so much further than well I hope so but I don't know I don't know well tell us more about your visions for the brand and OG Classics and how it started because I started a running club a year ago and that's when we first connected I needed some t-shirts printing very last minute who do I turn to I know Gwil someone told me about Gwil 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 prints t-shirts he he, he provides um, sportswear um, for brands so I reached out and I think I had no idea what was going to happen after I contacted you, but I think within it was literally a matter of days. Yeah, 
I was turning up at your house picking up some running shirts for a club that I only started about a month ago <laughs> for people that I didn't even know were going to show up but you know they did and they enjoyed it and they represented with the, with the, with the brand and everyone was commenting on the the quality and you know the, the fast turnaround and the value and I was like this is this is incredible um, and this was just the beginning you know you told me recently that you managed to turn this around really quickly and yeah, I knew straight away that, that there was something special about you and, and the brand. And so, so why don't you tell us a bit about yeah the visions and what's what, 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 where do you see yourself going? It's genuinely quite simple. We've been doing things a certain way for so long, and you can see the negatives involved in that. So you've got to make them all positives. So, from a sportswear provider, what you need you need quick turnaround, you need quality, you need price competitiveness, and and service delivery. It's it's about customer service the customer's always right it's all them typical sayings that it, it genuinely means a lot so we we found you know we've got the whole made in UAE stamp but we've also got every single element you can think of from team wear to sports wear to school wear to corporate wear to promotional items and gifts but it's a case of not one thing like most companies that do what we do they have one direction so this is the product we've got this is the price this is how long it takes there you go do you want it there you go whereas it's us it's what do you need yeah do you need a five hundred thousand pound t-shirt do you need a turnaround in two hours do you need do you know what i mean and it's finding out exactly what that person needs and then putting that into place where all we are is project managers that's it Every single job is a project, and we make sure that we, from conception to delivery, it's done the right way. Whether that's the price point, if they're focused on sustainability, 100% recycled products, we've got it. If you want a local, you know, sustainable products in the sense that it's already here, it's here. It's it can be done. You know, uh, the Australian Embassy, they they needed these hats and and some t-shirts the next day because it was the evacuation of Afghanistan and obviously with my want need to help with um, with the military it was can you do this yeah of course you can yeah yeah what price point you know what what product do you need where do you you know all that kind of thing all that was ironed out yes we've got the product yes we can turn it around in time yes we've hit the price point and they got on the aeroplane and they got to Afghanistan and they evacuated however many hundreds of people and that's a job well done you know and that's still to this day is one of the records of the quickest turnarounds for a, a large amount of kit but it's 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 further than that you know you you take um, professional organizations semi-professional organizations with with within sport particularly you know they want very very specifics and that quality, this feel, this stretch, this composition, everything is very, very technical. But it's also servicing them, making sure that they get what they need. They've got the diverse, diversity of what they need, the the flexibility through the online e-commerce platform for a next day delivery for supporters or replacement kits or anything that they need. Um, it's service delivery. It's making sure that the brand it looks good. Having at all. Our design guru is a genius. Like you need something, it, 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 yeah. Without him and his three D CADs, it's 
it's a total different game. But being able to give the, the customer what they need, and everybody's different. You you make your your favorite type of material might be completely different to yours for running. You may enjoy Jockers Nipple and want the cheapest product, but <laughs> there is other <laughs> options out there. Yeah, so it's a case of finding a way that we have started a business where we're taking away that pressure that the you know if you take PE teachers for example they're if you ask them what their worst part of their job is is sorting the kit out every year because it takes so much of their time up and they have to size all the kids some of them in some cases have to take money from individual kids and and all sorts of it's just they're not being able to teach and inspire children. They've, they've, they've got their head stuck in an Excel sheet and, and it's taking away that problem and saying, right, well, we need this, we need that, can you do it? And we take away that whole headache for them. And that's, I think, what's been quite refreshing for a lot of people. Um, and then on top of that, he's given the right product at the right price and the right turnaround times. So yeah, it's pretty simple. It's not rocket science, but it's, it's taken a long time to get to understand the needs of those people and making it happen and representing them in the right way you know yeah. I want people to be proud of wearing OG I want yeah. people to understand the story and the background behind it but also be proud to be in it and, and wear it and show it off and you know we can't wait for you know people to be all over the world in different places with different backgrounds wearing our socks because you know our socks are a big thing at the minute everybody loves yeah. them so we're yeah, really proud of that the other day the socks man yeah. So yeah well you should do a competition any you know think of uh think of a way and we can give some of your listeners some socks yeah <laughs> yeah that'd be a great idea yeah i'm already excited for taking some og gear back to atlanta and getting uh, yeah. getting the u.s in on this yeah we, as long as DHL, FedEx, and UPS, I'll stop naming brands now. Any other reliable courier service, um, as long as they fly there, we can send the kit there. So there's no no issues anywhere in the world. So amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a great conclusion. Anything finally you want to leave us with? I mean, well, before, yeah, it's a good point. I think we've heard so much from you today. Yeah, yeah. I've not stop talking I'm no, really sorry I, I feel um, I feel honoured to be sat here with you yeah. in front of the brand your story that you told um, and I feel I feel fortunate we've had this discussion today and nah. yeah I can see where this is going but if I was to leave you with one last question and it's a big one is if you knew you couldn't fail how big would you dream how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail I don't even think my imagination's got the capacity for that. It's bigger than... I dream big, I'll tell you that. But... That's a, my, that's a, that's a it's fast. more of a goal question, right? Yeah, what would the dream be? What would yeah. be the end goal of the dream if there was no failure? A happy, healthy... That... They're the only two bits, really. Obviously, money can't make you happy, but things make you happy, right? And mm -hmm. so things cost money, so you have to be successful to be happy. In that, in that, there's different ways of being happy, but for me, it's Maria, Owen, and Grace, and I come right at the back of that. In fact, I come behind Dave 
I don't know if you've met Dave yet. We've got a new puppy. He's a toy poodle. He's literally the size of this cup. But he's <laughs> um, even now I'm very much at the bottom of that pecking order. So to answer your question, I think uh, you're gonna have to ask me in five years, ten years, because right now I'm just focused on dreaming about how I sustain what we've got. You know, making sure that happy happiness and healthiness is is the main priority I think that's a really bad way of answering that question I'm sorry it's a good answer but dude yeah we appreciate you we thank you for this time thank Thank you so much thanks for listening leave us a review tell us what you think find us at instagram failforward.pod if you know someone that wants to be on the show or if you want to be on the show give us a shout DM us and we'll see you soon